0: Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts.
1: Thanks for tuning to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. We hope the fridge is clear. The Black Friday deals have been taken care of and you are back to regular day life as... We get to enjoy another Victory Monday. Joshua Houts, welcome in. It's nice to see you again. And I got to ask my friend, the Dolphins won on Friday, but a Victory Monday is still feeling like a Victory Monday.
0: It is still feeling like a Victory Monday. I didn't get to come on here and talk about how awesome that win felt there in MetLife Stadium, but uh, to be at 8-3, and three, sitting here where we are, getting over that Jets hump that we've struggled with over the last few uh, seasons, you know, running the ball effectively against one of the better defenses – um, I'm feeling good in this victory Monday, and then we have to talk about uh, what happened last night, right? Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles did the improbable, right? They came back, marched downfield in overtime, and ended up beating the Buffalo Bills. And we're now what? I, I guess we're two and a half games up. I said three. Someone corrected me on Twitter. I'm, I should just stay away from how many games up the Dolphins are, but they're sitting pretty right now, not in first place. Guy. So, no, not a math guy. But this first uh, this victory Monday definitely feels great, and um, it feels different than some that have come before.
1: The Miami Dolphins. Ripped apart, demolished, steamrolled the New York Jets 34 to 13. And yes, Josh, you mentioned it. First place in the AFC East. I think it was it was a weird Sunday, man. The Dolphins began the day holding the number one seed in the conference, quickly fell to second after the Jags won their game, fell to third when the Chiefs won their game, and then Baltimore ended the day as the number one seed in the conference. So things are changing very quickly. But Josh, you mentioned it, and I do want to talk about it for a minute seeing the buffalo bills sitting at 6 and 6 they're about to be on their bye week uh it's actually pretty nice that they had a, a late bye week cuz you think you know this happens 4 or 5 weeks ago they kind of figure out the offense they reset all that stuff but at 6 and 6 man there's a lot of lot of panic at buffalo
0: yeah a lot of panic and i i think it's funny said, that they're sitting there complaining about the refs right i think they're all m- making fun of Yeah I think they're all making fun of us right you know uh, because the Dolphins had so many penalties against the Philadelphia Eagles who had zero when we played them so um, it's funny the positions how tides have turned right and it kind of feels like that South Park episode where Carton's like drinking the one kid's tears remember that one where he's like oh yes and it's just like drinking the kids tears I mean that's what it feels like right now because being a Dolphins fan really doesn't feel much better but uh, we all need to realize that there's still some season to be played and as we know, as Dolphin fans, anything can happen. But this Victory Monday feels oh so sweet. And we have to thank the Philadelphia Eagles in part
1: for that. What was uh, what was your impression of the first ever Black Friday game? They are dropping deals. The Amazon broadcast to me kind of feels a little, I don't know, like it's like you get a pair of Jordans and instead of going for a dunk, he's just like laying it up. You can tell that it's like slightly a knockoff kind of. It just feels a little gimmicky at times. I I, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't have that same prime time buzz as like an NBC even an ESPN has that could just be me
0: yeah and I think we probably would have felt differently right if this thing went as planned I looked back and tried to get some uh, images for our last podcast where we did the preview episodes and I mean they have Emmanuel Agba which I mean now maybe it's fitting that he was at the center or at the front of that um Poster, but we got to remember this was Tua to Tagovailoa versus Aaron Rodgers. This was supposed to be a marquee matchup in the AFC East for two teams that should be going against uh, the Buffalo Bills for that AFC's crown. So things worked out much differently than they expected when they did, uh, you know, decide that they were going to have this game. But um, yeah, it did feel a little bit different, it did feel out of place. You mentioned their reasoning for why they had to play it when they did, but um, I would have much rather have had that game played on Saturday or you know Sunday morning or something like that than uh black friday but um a win's a win and i mean if you can win on friday i mean it feels it does feel nice to have you know a a nice calm friday evening saturday sunday and just you know again victory monday man especially with, with the eagles uh doing what they did
1: this game was looking so awkward for the longest time josh we almost made it through a half of football with the miami dolphins winning 10 to nothing it was awkward it was uncomfortable but what a crazy two minute stretch. Tua throws an interception, goes back the distance. Tua throws another interception. But if there's one thing we learned at the end of the first half, Josh, it's that Javon Holland was really waiting for that first interception of the uh, 2023 season.
0: Yeah, he wanted that one so bad. And, I, I mean, I don't know that it's ever been done like this before, right? I don't know that a team has ever thrown a Hail Mary. I think um, our boy Antoine and, you know, some Jets fans and that fan base might be calling it the Hail Mary. But, I mean, it was just an improbable play. And it did come after a two-time low interception where, I mean, I'll take a little bit of blame for that. I think I t- uh, someone said something about Tua going out there and having three touchdowns, no interceptions. And I was like, whoa, man, you're forgetting that uh, pass directly into the linebacker's chest. It wasn't a linebacker. But as soon as that ball left his hands, you're like, oh, no, Tua, what are you doing? Doing and everything kind of turned. But on that last play, I mean, the Jets, I mean, their fan base, they felt so high off of that pick six. And then uh, Javon Holland takes a Hail Mary the distance. And I just love the fact that, you know, you saw the guys downfield. They wanted to get him into the end zone. And um, you hear Javon Holland say, you know, I just saw it was me and the punter and I had to take his ankles. So game changing play. <laughs> that's what you want from. That's what you want from a playmaker, and let's be honest. I mean, before that happened, we were all kind of down and feeling a little bit queasy, right? We love to say queasy. We, we felt like we maybe ate a little bit too much at Thanksgiving, but as soon as Javon Holland went into the end zone, uh, it was time for dessert. So great, great way for Javon Holland to step up, great way for that defense to step up because, I mean, yes, it was a Tim Boyle team, but uh, the defense, uh, well, they have seven sacks, 12 quarterback hits, two interceptions. I mean, um, they went out there and, and worked their ass off.
1: How furious would you be if you're on that Jets defense? You know, it's a 10-6, 10 to nothing game, and you get the interception and you bring it back to the house, and you're putting up more points than your offense. You fi- you finish the day putting up just as many points as the offense, but they missed the extra point, which doesn't feel like a lot at the time. So it's a 10-6 game. You're like, all right, whatever. We got the uh, turnover for a touchdown. Let's get back out there and do it again. But then the Dolphins, when they get their pick six. They hit that extra point. So Josh, this was a defense that worked its entire ass off and it lost a a point. It lost a point in the entire, entire transaction there. So that just kind of goes to show the situation the Jets were in. What was your thoughts on the idea to go for the Hail Mary? Because it seemed like the place you go for it. You're right around the 50 yard line. I thought Tim Boyle was supposed to have a big arm, open up the field a little bit, man. I didn't even see a single Jets receiver in that picture.
0: No, yeah, there was, what, one, maybe two? I saw a guy falling on the ground just kind of looking up in some of those still images, but I don't know, man. I don't know if he had a strong arm. I didn't hear any of that, but uh, he did have time. It did look like, you know, I, I think I'm okay with it in that situation, right? You're just taking a chance, and stuff yeah, like this can it. never happen, right? Stuff like this never happens until it happens. So um, I know they're regretting that, and they might not do the same thing in that situation again, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know where, what he was doing there, and you just got to bat it down, man. If you're a Jets player and you don't think it, you're going to be able to catch that. Knocked that damn thing down, but it went right to Holland. And uh, kudos to him, right, for not kneeling, not just becoming complacent and maybe running out to half. I mean, turned that into a game-changing play. What, 99 yards? I think it was the third longest in Miami Dolphins history. So, um, yeah, man, Javon Holland's playing out of his mind right now.
1: Josh, say you spend a second-round pick on a running back, and then you spend, like, for the sake of this argument, a not-cheap contract on another running back. So you have two capable running backs in your stable. It's caught. It. How many times would you say you'd want to run the football a game?
0: I mean, if Tim Boyle is your quarterback, 30, yeah. right? <laughs> 30, at least 30, probably. I mean, how, how many, how many times did they rush it? Let's hear this. 10. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't realize was like
1: that, man. 10. Can you believe that? 10. They threw the ball 38 times. Dude, I don't know if it was Vic Vangio. I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett had a had too much on Thanksgiving. If his mind is turning into a pretzel, dude, that game plan by the Jets was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you had Jerome Baker getting an interception. I think that Xavier and Howard deserves the credit for that one. He batted the ball up in the air. There's another one where Jalen Phillips and sorry, we'll get to that eventually. He batted a ball up in there that I thought was also going to get intercepted. Man, how how are you, the Jets? How are you a fan of the Jets? And you stomach that watching Nathaniel Hackett throw the allow his quarterback the Tim Boyle to throw the ball 38 times for 179 yards and two interceptions. I just, yes, it's fun to like, like just joke and laugh at the Jets. But I mean, at some point, man, like I'd be ripping my hair out.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make sense, especially when you have Brees Hall, like you said. I mean, Dalvin Cook, we can all admit he's closer to C- Dalvin Cook than we'd like to admit, but that is uh, a sin. Ten times running the football, I did not realize that, Jake, so um, Cook maybe that's once. part of the Yeah, that's Yeah, that's absurd. I had Brees Hall going in a couple of fantasy leagues, so that does explain um that low output. But I was just kind of chilling, just enjoying the wins. But, um, yeah, you're not going to win games if you're going against the Miami Dolphins and just going out there and, and hoping you can throw the football with Tim Boyle, especially against Jalen Ramsey and X and that's
1: crazy you're throwing the ball 38 times and cater kohu (laughs) cannot forget about cater kohu christian wilkins led the team with two sacks josh and we were talking about this a little bit in the dms does christian wilkins ignore all the stats does he look any different than he did last year because last year he was one of the greatest players in the league And, and to me he's still looking like one of the greatest players in the league i don't i don't really see a difference there do you
0: no, and I mean you mentioned it. Don't look at the stats or anything like that. It looks like it's um, an encore performance, you know, right? I mean, he looks like he's going out there and replicating his best season. And um, you know, for him, it, it's 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 not because he's in a contract. You're right. I mean, it's just Christian Wilkins. We just need to get used to him being this high of a level of a player. I just, um, yeah, he does look like the same. But we can talk about his sacks, right?
1: Aren't they can adding we, zeros? The can we admit, can,
0: can we joke that it's
1: adding zeros? <laughs> Oh, he's thousand percent, but, but that's kind of how silly it is because like we needed to find ways to nitpick his game. And I'll even stand, I'm going to play both sides here because I don't think I'd want to pay him as much as he's worth, but I also think he's worth that much because Christian Wilkins, he leads the team right now with six and a half sacks. He had two against the Jets. He also had two against the Panthers. Those two teams have a combined five wins. So you added one more of those games, if Christian Wilkins gets to that 10-sack mark that everyone thinks is so elusive, if he gets to that mark, it's going to be with three performances with two sacks, which don't get me wrong, getting two sacks in any week is not easy. It is not easy at all. But just to have the fate of the draw be where he can kind of be the one to land on the quarterback uh, what, six times against bad teams, it doesn't seem like the right way to kind of quantify someone's contract because i think christian wilkins whether it's sealer getting these sacks or an emmanuel argbo someone else i think he would still be having this impact and then we'd be discredited for saying he's not the one who fell on the guy
0: yeah i just i just laughed because it was kind of the one thing everyone was pointing out like okay so he's not going to get x this money like this player like you know x quinnon williams leonard williams you know um I, who else man the list went on and on i think Chris Jones was one of them. Right. Because he doesn't have that sack number. So I just have to joke every time he does rack up another one. So um, I I don't know if he's actually going to take it to the table. Right. And say, okay, now I'm a 10 sack guy. Um, Now here pay me this amount. I think, you know, Christian Wilkins is probably feeling like he was worth this amount and he's probably going to go into negotiations. Still feeling like that because, like you say, he's still playing at that high level. But, um, you do have to joke that with every sack, he wants to uh add another zero to his contract. And we have to ask, uh, he's playing the commanders, right? You say he's gonna beat up on some of these bad teams. Doesn't Sam Howell get sacked like an absolute f ton? Like, he's probably gonna get uh the three and a half that he needs to eclipse 10 just in this next game,
1: <laughs> <laughs> take the rest of the season off. Yeah, no, it got that trying to heat. It. Hey, I just think it's kind of like a silly way to kind of draw the line there. Uh, the Jets. As a football team, they really struggled to run the football, 29 total yards. Brees Hall's longest run was for 11 yards. Tim Boyle, man, just getting sacked seven times. Did you learn anything about this defense of the Miami Dolphins that you didn't know entering this week? Like, I, I know the the standards, like you're facing the Jets, right? It's, it's everybody gets a trophy week. Everybody go get your sack and, and let's all be happy. But did you learn anything about this team you weren't expecting to see?
0: I don't, I don't know. Not necessarily. I, I think they went out there and did kind of what we expected. I guess stopping the run game, but when you tell me they only tried to run the ball ten times, I mean, that's I, I want to give them credit for that and, to, you know, make them scared. Maybe they were scared to go out there and run the ball because of how well the Dolphins look, but um, yeah, that's a sin. I still can't believe that. But I think this is what you wanted to see them do against, you know, a mediocre offense, you know, not give up big plays sort of speak and not go down and, and let play inferior that like we've seen them do before. So um, hopefully they build upon this and hopefully they can continue to be that dominant force that we're starting to see. And um, we're not going to talk about Jalen Phillips right now, but just, you know, some of those guys that came in and what I had written down here. He had a sack. Do you have a sack or was it too? I'm terrible. Somewhere have down. Oh, Agba had one and a half sack. There, I got it. Finally got it. Um. So I mean, he went out there, and, and I think he only had fourteen snaps. So to think that he, you know, made that much of an impact. I mean, players are stepping up. So I guess that would be the one thing. When JP went out, the players around him truly stepping up, and um, I guess the drop off wasn't as significant as maybe people would think.
1: I think the penalties are so important too. the dolphins were penalized just six times for 38 yards. And what makes the Vic Fangio defense so strong is just playing mistake free football. And, and that sounds super simple, but when the dolphins are forcing opponents to, you know, go three plays after three plays after three plays all the way down to get to the end zone. Like it's a situation where they can make a mistake too. You have the situations where someone like Deshaun Elliott bounces off, you know, Devontae Adams, he runs away for a touchdown. But I mean, just hearing these drives, it's music to my ears the Jets started the game with a five play 16 yard drive punt three play eight yard punt three play negative seven yard punt four play 11 yard punt three play nine yard punt and then the pick six to end it josh they didn't have a drive that was more than five yards in the first half that is absolutely bananas to me and that's like that's the step above just beating a team that you should beat that's the divisional rival obviously it's It's Tim Boyle. Again, it's it's the Tim Boyle discount on everything. But I mean, these games aren't supposed to be easy. You see quarterbacks go out each and every week. Josh Dobbs comes to mind. Who can come out and make plays? The fact they're not allowing a single play, man, is just really cool to watch.
0: And this and this got to be the complete one hundred and eighty of Tom Morse, uh, Thomas Morstead, you know, his time in Miami, right? Wasn't he like sleeping on the sideline at one point when he was on the Dolphins? Now he's out here, yeah. and you're just saying punt, 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 punt. His leg sounds like his leg is gonna fall off. So, um, you know, Thomas Morstead was that kind of a revenge game? I know they didn't win, but um, he sure had a huge impact in that last game, um, as much as he punted. But yeah, man, again, the Tom Boyle discount. Um, but just again, the way they completely put it together, almost as a team effort. And again, the defense to me, we'll talk about the offense, but I still feel like that defense right now is playing at a, you know, a slightly higher
1: level than what we see out of that offense. One final stat, Joshua Hutz, Brees Hall ran the ball seven times. Thomas Morstead punted the ball six times.
0: <laughs> I, no words.
1: Thomas Morris said, Yeah, he was so upset that he spent the entire entire game napping on the sideline, not having a punt. Well, now you're good to workload of a second round pick. How about that, Thomas Morris? I hope you appreciate that. Let's take a quick break here. And on the other side, we will dive into Miami's offense against a pretty fierce New York Jets defense. It was a real fantastic four for Miami's offense against the New York Jets. It was. Jalen Waddle catching all eight of his receptions for over 100 yards, leading the team in receiving yards. Tyreek Hill got on the board with another touchdown, 100 yards on nine receptions. But then, Raheem Mostert 94 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, and Jeff Wilson makes his long-awaited return to the rotation with 11 carries for 56 yards. Usually, the story doesn't end there, but on Friday, that was it. Josh, not a lot of action outside of those four. So, before we get into individual performances. Is that surprising to see just four guys involved in the action?
0: Yeah, I think a little bit, but I guess it goes to show you that the Dolphins uh, knew what was working right and continued to stick with it. I mean, I guess it's not really surprised that you're utilizing Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell as those <laughs> one, two guys. Because, yeah, because we keep talking about how we're waiting for someone to step up as that third wide receiver. So um that's not too much of a surprise, but the way they were able to close the game out and stick to the run game late, I mean, that was a little bit of a surprise, right? I mean, we still are waiting for Jeff Wilson. Please get your touchdown, right? You're still waiting for two. at least one or two. I think I got a – I did an every uh, every touch – every score, you know what I mean, any time score or whatever the hell in Jeff Wilson. And um, it was a part of my parlay, and it absolutely destroyed it. So – um, I, Raheem Mostert, I mean, he looks absolutely unstoppable, wrote an article for the Side. he's three touchdowns away from Ricky Williams' single season record, I think he's still, what, second in rushing right behind Christian McCaffrey, and he closed that game out, so um, I'm not too surprised, because those guys, at least for now, have proven to be the playmakers, and um, until someone can show you that they can stop them, keep giving it to them, but I was impressed with how the offensive line played throughout this game and especially how that run game closed out the game, because um, we're going to need that hopefully in December and January and February.
1: I think we could see the injuries on Miami's offensive line a little bit here. Uh, Liam Eikenberg didn't allow a single pressure at right guard, which is awesome. I thought Lester Cotton was. Solid. I apologize. I
0: apologize to him. I don't know. Do you want to do it too? You want? To, I, I'm sorry, yeah, no. Liam Eikenberg.
1: I don't think I... I guess I kind of got on it a little bit on, on the... He's like right. the only guy
0: still under contract next year, right? Like he's one of the only offensive line we have under contract, so we got to p- parade him around, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry. It,
1: it kind of felt like the the Dolphins ended the day. The rushing stats look pretty good. 37 carries for 167 yards, but I didn't think it was always smooth sailing for this group. And I thought it was pretty impressive because I think there were a lot of situations where, okay, Raheem Mostert would get six yards and then the next two carries would be one yard, one yard. And then all of a sudden you're in this awkward situation, but Mike McDaniel stuck with it throughout the entire game, two threw the ball, 30 times you ran the ball 37 times on the, on the road. That's the recipe for success for a team like the Miami Dolphins. Uh, It wasn't always simple. And I got to give Mike McDaniel so much credit for that because he just stuck with it time after time. He didn't go crazy like you would when you have a quarterback like Tim Boyle and you want to throw the ball 40 times in the game. But the Dolphins just kind of stuck within the offense. And obviously, Josh, the one stat that jumps off the page is two is two interceptions. But uh, do you think he played that poorly?
0: No, I mean outside of those, and I mean I was jokingly again saying that he was going to have that one that went right at someone's chest. Um, I thought he played pretty good football. I mean I do think he's still executing well. He's his timing again is sensational, and um, you have to love the again. We talked about how we want to see Jalen Waddle get more involved. I might have to put some egg on my face because I think right after I uh, I said that I went on there, uh, Sarney was you know saying how I think he's on pace to break his receptions and yards from last season. So uh, maybe it's more so I just feel like he could have made more of an impact like we saw here, right? Eight of eight for, what, 100 and some yards. I mean, he led the team in receiving, and that's what you want from Jalen Wild. You want that one-two punch. So um, to a time a low, the way he's playing right now, I'm fine with. Just please stop with those boneheaded, you know, interceptions that hopefully are not going to cost us when we're in a playoff situation, right? That is – it's it's not hurting us now, but there will be a time when it bites us in the ass, so we got to get them out of the way right now.
1: I'm just wondering if it's just something we have to uh, accept at this point with two. I mean, he gets the ball so quickly, man. And this offense just moves so quickly where the decisions made, I mean, he's the ball's out of his hand in 2.5 seconds. And again, not math guys, but I mean, for the decision to go from his mind to his arm, that still takes time. It doesn't take a lot of time. So he's coming to these decisions in within a second as someone who can't decide what they want for dinner for a couple of hours, man. I think I'm going to kind of settle in the camp here where I'm I'm okay. I, I entered this game really thinking, let's get a clean performance tool. Let's not turn the ball over. I'll sacrifice 14 points if it means maybe we punt an extra time or two, but it doesn't result in these boneheaded turnovers. I just think it's just how they operate, man. The decisions are made so quickly. If it means you're going to be right 90% of the time and that 10% might hurt you once in a while, I, I think that's something we just have to settle in with because generally speaking, Miami's first drive, they turn it over on downs hated the play call on fourth down to throw a fade to Tyree kill that said he should have caught it it was a play should have made it was a great throw by Tua just still don't like the play call I think both those things would be true but man if he's gonna do 243 the touchdown you take back a couple other plays a couple other players on the offense making a couple miscues overall solid performance and I'll swallow the interceptions it is what it is
0: yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a to a stand. I'll swallow the interceptions as well. I just I feel like at some point in the playoffs, you know, there's going to be these haters that sit here and detract it and say, oh, yeah. you know, it, and it'll be that critical moment of a game. So do want to clear those up, but yeah, man, if he's going to go out there and continue to deal like he is, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take it any day of the week. We we were so far down at one point, right? The last thirty years at quarterback, I mean, Tua Tainavelo is a saint. QB one mm-hmm. all the way.
1: And we can't understate the efficiency. Going eight for eight with someone like Jalen Waddle to get over a hundred receiving yards, one hundred and fourteen, be exact. I mean, that's just so so impressive to not lose yardage on those, to not lose an opportunity to get yardage on those. Tyree killed nine of twelve, but man, Jeff Wilson, another three targets. He caught all three for uh, seventeen yards. I thought that was an interesting one. Durham Smythe caught one of three targets for ten yards, and outside of that, Raheem Mostert targeted once. I think it was like the first play of the game, and they were wondering if he fumbled it. That was a whole fiasco. They ended up ruling that incomplete. And then Braxton Barrios also targeted once and uh, no receptions. So Josh, you mentioned Tua dealing, but he's not. It's not the blackjack dealing we're really used to. So uh, what are your thoughts on here? When you got just you know four guys involved with the offense, and then you got Durham Smythe, another reception. I mean, Darrington Evans had two reception or uh, two running two rushes. Excuse me before he fumbled the football. I mean, there wasn't a lot happening outside of the big four.
0: I was going to say free Robbie chosen, right? That would be my first. Is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm I'm okay with if you're winning games, but I mean, this is something that we definitely have to keep an eye on as the season progresses. We still want someone to step up in that number three spot. We talked about how awesome Braxton Barris looked earlier in the season. Maybe River Craycraft. You know, there was a run at late in that game that Raheem Mostert touched, and I think Kyle Krabs sh- slowed it down a little bit. At least he brought it to my attention. I mean, I've been running around. I'm sure you're not on Twitter all the time, Jake, but I, I saw it out in my corner. I River Craycraft comes in from the side and kind of seals things off on that Raheem Mostert touchdown where he kind of walked the uh, end zone line. Like we would do a Madden if we're playing some dude online, trolling him. So um, I I'm okay with it for now, but I think when you play some better teams, when you get into the playoff situations, you're going to need more than just Tyree and Jalen Waddle, but it's a testament probably to the Jets defense too, the way they were able to um, attack the dolphins. Cause I mean, it was a battle out there, right? But uh Tyreek Hill, man, uh, unbelievable performance.
1: Devon Chan, obviously he didn't play. Expectations are he will be back this week against the commies. Who's another guy you want to see involved? Is it River Craycraft as he gets healthier and, and returns to form? Is it Braxton Barrios? Is Durham Smythe going to be someone who you can rely on just to get kind of 40 yards on three receptions, maybe an occasional touchdown? Because I think they're going to need that third target, especially uh, late in the season. Those last three games of the year stick out to me where you're just going to need somebody. I mean, I look back to last year, that Buffalo game late in the year where I mentioned this before, there was a backup tight end. He had his first career touchdown and when he was wide wide open, all alone in the end zone. Those are the playmakers you're going to need late in the season. And I'm curious to find out who those are.
0: Yeah, who'd you say? Did you did you throw a name out there? I my thing uh, did the little hiccup, the little RoboCop hip, hiccup. Well, you, were,
1: you mentioned River Craycraft. Does uh, anyone else pop into mind? River, uh, Robbie Chosen. We we're still waiting for that revenge game. I'm nope, sure there's yeah. another team that he's been on that they'll play eventually.
0: Yeah, um, I I thought maybe you said A Chan. I thought you were talking about A Chan instead about how maybe once he comes out there, you know, get him involved a little bit more in the passing game. Maybe I mean that's what I thought, um, you were saying. That but Jeff sense. Wilson, to again, to our surprise, I mean, he's been. Um, active at least in the passing game so you wonder if they don't like getting him the ball giving him a chance to you know run a guy over and maybe pick up that extra yardage but um, yeah we need someone to step up in these final weeks and we just need to limit some of those mistakes but I'm I'm very happy with the way this offense is playing especially when you think about all the different injuries right I mean we'll, we'll talk about the injuries Teron Armstead's out again right I mean we're sitting here mixing and matching and putting together this puzzle and Um, as of now they're going out there and playing as better as as good as any team in the nfl
1: let's take a look at that puzzle before we wrap up here joshua the biggest news jalen phillips his season came to an end he tore his achilles he had sacks in four straight games he had three tackles for a loss in this game he was absolutely on fire against the new york jets man what a sad 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 turn of events for such a fun player. He's been battling injuries a lot this season, and it really put a huge damper on what was an awesome weekend.
0: Yeah, it was hard to, you know. Root, uh, you know feel that victory truly with, with that right. what happened there I mean you know you said how he's been dealing with injuries this year I mean let's be honest he's been dealing with it throughout his entire career I mean he medically uh retired there at UCLA so he's talked before about how he gets to dark places during these rehabs I just hope he realizes that we all saw it right he was playing his best football he looked like an absolute menace out there his name's up there with the Bosa's the Micah Parsons we put him in the ring of honor a year ago so we yeah. just sit here and our heart breaks for him but we hope that um his recovery is um you know as good as we expected i know you had that awesome quote from bradley chubb but it sounds like um everyone's gonna go out there and rise their game up you know to to make up for losing such a warrior like uh jaylen phillips but i mean i'm honest that's probably my favorite player on this team and if you look at the roster i mean what there's tua there's tyree kill there's i mean it used to be teron armstead but there's a few other guys that you would lose and you could you know see this whole thing spiral out of control Jalen phillips name's got to be right behind those guys
1: what you think of how often they showed the injury? Because they did. I mean, they were able to grab it perfectly. The slow motion, you just see him plant his leg and it just snaps. And then you see it just kind of vibrate up and down his leg. They did it twice. And I was like, oh, that's what happens. And then they kept doing it. I'm like, okay, I I, I got it. I don't need to see this anymore. It just kind of seemed like a lot at some point.
0: Yeah, I think I walked away. I was depressed. I, I just kind of walked away for a little bit and missed that. But even just seeing it two or three times, I mean... Dude, I didn't realize that's the way it works, and just to see it and just, oh, man, it, it was, you felt so bad for him. Because like you mentioned, man, he's playing some of his best football right now. He was playing out of his mind in this game
1: alone. Him and Bradley Chubb were such a dynamic duo, and it, oh, very, very frustrating. How did the Dolphins overcome this? How how are the Dolphins going to really solidify this defensive line, knowing that you are missing someone who is going to be a dominant run stopping defensive end a consistent threat to the quarterback is it as simple as hey emmanuel agba we can go to um, OverTheCap.com. we see the price tag there and we think you could be the guy to step on and uh really play a big role for this team moving forward
0: yeah, I mean, I love that you said that. We just go to over the cap and see. Yeah, man, you're making that much money. We know exactly what you're making. We understand how all this money works. Get out there and make some plays. But it sounds like that's kind of what Agba, how he kind of feels, right? That he's been waiting for the not an injury to happen, but just been waiting for his moment to be called on mm-hmm. and to go out there and make some plays. And again, we saw one and a half sacks. I think I looked up and I was hoping I was looking at the right game. I'm pretty sure it was the right game, but um, it looked like he only played 14 snaps. And if you're getting a one and a half sacks and you're limited reps, you know, um, I'm excited to see what he can do from. Um, moving forward, because there were, again, I can remember very distinctly in my head, you know, us doing a podcast when we weren't sure if they were going to bring back Emmanuel Agba. and I think he was in a contract year, but he was playing out of his mind, and he did feel like one of those core pieces to this defense, so he can set the edge, he can rush the passer, I think um, he will be the perfect guy to fit in there, I, again, I wish it was Jalen Phillips, and then uh, you gotta throw Andrew Van Ginkle's name out there, right, I mean, they utilize him in so many different ways, we know Vic Fangio loves him, so he's another guy that um, You got to throw his name out there. So, those two guys combined, I think, can, you know, lessen the sting that you take with losing to Jalen Phillips. And um, you just hope it doesn't want um, Bradley Chubb to be effective. You need Christian Wilkins, X, to do their thing. But I won't be surprised if they bring someone in, some added piece on that defensive line, but it won't be uh, Derek Barnett, will it, Jake?
1: Yeah, he was just signed off waivers by the Houston Texans as they fight. They're right in the wild card hunt, too. Emmanuel Agba had back-to-back seasons with right around eight and a half, nine sacks. I'm real interested to see how this dynamic goes because we spent so long being a little frustrated. What is Vic Fangio's plan with this defense? Why is Andrew Van Ginkle playing linebacker instead of David Long Jr.? How does Andrew Van Ginkle's role really change here? Does Vic Fangio change what he's been kind of having these guys develop into? for about two months or so or is it something along the lines of it's Emmanuel Agba and you just find a few more rotational pieces to fill in man overall just super disappointing but uh hopefully we see him back out there next summer and just ready to go chase around Josh Allen and under the hard rock sun and uh that's all we can really ask for from him Toron Armstead he is listed as week to week with what Josh I think it's a quad injury
0: yeah, I think indefinitely or whatever. Quad. I think it was
1: a quad injury. Yeah, just another thing, right? So in this game, the Dolphins had to do a lot of shuffling. Teron Armstead went out. Austin Jackson was ejected from the game. Uh, overall, man, I think they did a pretty good job. What were your thoughts on the fact that Keon Smith was the first tackle to come into the game? He replaced Teron Armstead at left tackle, and then it was Kendall Lamb who replaced Smith at left tackle when. Smith had to go to right tackle to replace Austin Jackson. I think I did that right. I'm pretty sure.
0: I, I hope he did. Do not ask <laughs> me. We can ask Jeeves when we get off here. We can try to figure that out. I mean, I again, you, you mentioned it against a very good defensive line. I think they held up pretty well, and I, I just don't know. Does Butch Berry have some kind of magic? like drink like you know remember Space Jam when they went well I guess that wasn't really a magic drink but uh Bugs and Jordan act like they had that magic juice or whatever I mean these guys are playing out of their mind regardless of who it is but it was a little surprising to see Smith being that first guy out there I mean maybe they were trying to protect Lamb in case you know case of emergency if Teron Armstead were to go down like he eventually did so um we'll see what patchwork they put together but we mentioned Liam Eichenberg we already apologized to him Connor Williams is playing great we hope to get Robert Hunt back soon I mean I think they'll be able to continue to piece this together and um shout out to um, Austin Jackson, right? He had the dog in him. He was probably thinking of all of us, all the years we talked crap and trolled him on Twitter when he was uh, going after the, going after uh, the player when he got ejected there.
1: I couldn't believe he got ejected there just for defending his teammate. That, that was a little annoying, but man, like you're really starting to see this 2020 draft class, be the leaders of the team. I mean, uh, you have Kirk Herbstreit going on, I think it was, the McAfee show, just talking about how Tua is the leader in the locker room. This is his team now. You have Austin Jackson just being a downright dog. Uh, Robert Hunt, also in that draft class, he suited up. He was uh, in pads for the game, but the Dolphins kind of looked at it a few weeks ago with Connor Williams, decided to play it slow. And, and Josh, I think the Dolphins... Have been playing it right with the injuries. I, you can't predict the future. You you cannot prevent injuries from happening. But I I think they've really focused on what this team's going to look like in January as they work these guys back into action. And, and I respect that.
0: Yeah, I respect it too. And I mean, shame on you. You're talking about those that draft class. You know, balling out, trying to get paid. I mean, you left out No Egbinogny. I know he's not still here, but you, you left out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Kelvin I Kelvin mean,
1: Joseph just uh, signed with another team. So he signed with the Seahawks, I think. So so that link is still out there somewhere.
0: Of course. But I'm okay with the way they they protect their players and where they realize that the, there's a bigger, you know, bigger things ahead, right? You don't have to go out there and play in some of these next few games. Let's get healthy and um, have you back for that playoff push. Um, I am a little bit surprised, Jake. I have to throw this out there. He'll have 1,300. He's eclipsed 1,300 yards and he had six plus receptions, 60 plus yards. In six consecutive games, he needs two more 100-yard games to break Mark Duper's single-season record. So all the Dolphins are doing right now this year is breaking records, and um, you love to see it, right? 8-3, baby. Woo! Hard knocks tomorrow.
1: Oh, yeah, we got hard knocks. Or today.
0: Look at yeah. you
1: learning how to be a podcaster. Look at that. In real time, I saw the hamster going and realized, wait a second. There's I a hamster a- in there for sure. <laughs> Josh, now that we see them out of the bye, they've had back-to-back wins. What, where are your expectations for this team? I asked Antoine about this, and uh, I'm just curious, where would you be disappointed about how this season ended? Obviously, the second ends with the loss, we're going to be on here sad and, all uh, football season's over. But, I mean, this has been a blast of a ride. This has been a super fun 12 weeks of the season so far, despite the injuries. Where does it need to end for you to consider it a success?
0: Are, are, we, are we able to talk playoffs? Is that what you're saying? Am I allowed to? Oh
1: yeah. Uh, oh, I, I, I see like a 90 high 90% chances to win, when people keep posting, it's
0: like 99. It's like, and I'm like, dude, come on. Like they're ha- we're going to be those that assholes 1% where feels just,
1: so big. Oh my God. It, it
0: really is there. That needs to hit a hundred. I'm, I mean, I think I want to see a playoff win. I think that's where I'm at. I mean, I, I guess if they were to lose a heartbreaker to the chiefs, like maybe we'd be okay with that if they don't win, you know, a, a divisional matchup or whatever it is, but, you know, at this rate, I want to see them win the AFC East and hopefully, you know, at least win one game in the playoffs and make some noise because we're talking about, man, we're talking about all these pieces they need to sign. We're talking about all these different things. I mean, this team isn't going to be the same, you know, for too long and we need to strike while the iron's hot. And right now, you know, the offense is um, slowly starting to get back together and the defense is red hot. So I think once those two are, you know, competing and they're both, you know, uh, playing at their best, uh, the, the the sky is truly the limit, Jake. What about you? Where, where are your uh, what are your expectations? They got to win a division, right? At this point, three game three game lead or two and a half, whatever it is, they gotta win a division,
1: yeah, yeah, thousand. I, I think I'm with you. I think I think this team's ready to win win a playoff game. I think last year was that let's get our toes wet, see how cold this water is. I guess it can get pretty cold in Buffalo. I think this team is ready to show that it's time to win a playoff game and, they need to have some home games, man. I think that is going to be such a huge key too. You scared me when you mentioned the Chiefs because that'd be such a fall from grace. That'd have to be like the Chiefs, what being the two seed, Miami stumbles down to the seven. They'd be like losing out. Bills would be on fire. And I see you already just curling into a ball over there. Um, Yeah, I don't think that's asking too much. And and I kind of want to just like write that down. Just, yeah, win a playoff game. Just set the expectations there. Obviously, go ahead, Dolphins. Go ahead, McDaniel. Win a Super Bowl. I don't care. Prove me wrong.
0: Yeah, win a Super Bowl. i my, my uh the the hamsters were not spinning when I said the Chiefs. I wasn't even trying to decide on how that was gonna happen. I did see that you mentioned um you tweeted something, right? The Dolphins being the fourth seed right now or something, playing the uh fifth seed, this Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, oh man, wouldn't I'll that t- be nice? Kenny Yeah, beat the heck out of Kenny Pickett and that
1: Steelers team for sure. That'd be revenge. Hasn't each of Miami two of the three of last of Miami's playoff games have been this Pittsburgh, hasn't it? 2008 so. and then and I remember then I remember one of
0: them Yeah, yeah they've knocked Matt Moore out or at least for a little And then the before right?
1: the one before that was Pat White I think I think they... oh man too soon what a ugh. all right things are changing this year you play at home everything feels totally different that is it that is all the time we have here on another Dolphins podcast thank you all so much for listening Merrick will be back with us on Wednesday or Thursday as we go through who we feel are Miami's greatest defensive players of the 2023 season but that is it all the time we have thank you so much for listening to another Dolphins podcast we will talk to you next time until then
0: things up